All right. Great to see all of you this morning. The Lord cares so much about the poor, and we have to make it a priority to take care of those that are less fortunate. We cannot allow ourselves to become introverted and self-focused. Everywhere throughout Scripture, God wants us to do all we can to provide resources to those that have none. So what he does is he makes you a resource so that you can bless others. And what we can't do at this church is have people come in that have needs and say, let me pray for you and send them on their way. Now understand the church is never meant to be a financial institution. We're not a bank. But what we are is a resource and an opportunity to help others that have none. We're an opportunity to help those that don't have opportunities. God gives us so that we can give back to other people. And so Clothed in Righteousness is a 10,000 square foot space in the shopping center dedicated to helping those that are in need. Now, when Marlene says it's first for our church, we say that because there's gonna be people that come here that are going through difficult situations that can't afford clothes for their kids, can't afford clothes for themselves, fell on some hard times, or are needing help. The greatest help that we can provide for somebody at Rock City Church is spiritual strength and fortitude is showing them the great life of Christ and transferring life to them. That's what ministry is. Ministry is transferring life into other people's lives. But people also need to be taken care of in the natural. God provides both. And what you can't do is have somebody come in and say, let me pray for you, I know you're going through a hard time, and then send them on their way. So we do things like bus passes, H-E-B gift cards. We have a benevolence fund that we use to help those when they fall on hard times. Now, there's only so much money that we have, but we do the best that we can with what we have. And when God gave us this shopping center, we made a decision to designate a portion of this shopping center solely to giving to those that are less fortunate. Of course, first here, but we never turn anyone away. And so when the homeless or the transients or those that are sleeping on the sidewalks, which I saw about 10 people sleeping on the sidewalks this morning before I came here, If they need help and they come, we're gonna give to them as well, okay? But I'm asking you guys a couple things. One, bring your best clothes here. And I love what she said about Godwill. When we first moved into the shopping center, the O on the Goodwill was burned out. And every time, there's a Goodwill right behind the shopping center. And every time I drove up, it said Godwill. Did you know that? It was. And so the Lord if we will make it a priority to give what we have away and not keep back for ourselves more than we should, then God will increase us. Pull that scripture up, Proverbs 11, 24. God knew what Flower Bluff and Corpus Christi needed when he put us here. Now, we're not, we aren't the answer for everyone, Jesus is. And there are a lot of churches and there are a lot of pockets of people in this city that God is gonna pour his spirit out upon Revival is gonna come to Corpus Christi and from this place to the nations of the world, we're gonna send missionaries to transform people's lives, but it starts here at home first. It starts first with us, then with our family, and then our city and then the nations of the world, Acts 1.8. And God gives us power to transform not only our lives and our families' lives and our community, but the nations of the world. But it always starts at home first with us. And if we'll be good stewards with what God gives us, God will give us more. He'll always increase us with more. If we'll be faithful, God will give us nightclubs that'll turn into houses of prayer. If we'll be faithful, God will unite us with other churches in this city that are hungry and thirsty. And let me tell you, never talk negative about another pastor, even if they're not like you or don't do the things that you think they should. 
People get sideways and do things they shouldn't do. There's a lot of people that have been hurt, burned, and wounded by pastors, denominations, and ministries, and I get it, and there's a lot of us that are here because of that. We're hungry for more, and we want more, and we didn't like what we experienced in the past. But let me tell you, if God does a ninja flip on that pastor and he gets baptized in the Holy Ghost and that church gets lit on, gets lit on fire, we'll be eating crow and pulling our foot out of our mouths. When God means to do something, he's gonna do it. We have to pray and love and trust and reflect well. Being devi divisive, defensive, tearing down, and bringing disunity to the kingdom of God, God doesn't like that. And that's why Paul said to the Corinthian church, he who destroys my temple, I will destroy. We often think that's about us personally, individually. It's not. It's about a family and what God's building on the face of the earth. Read it in the context. Read that scripture in context. He's talking to the Corinthian church and people that are gonna come in to try to divide and destroy God's temple. And of course, we have a responsibility to take care of ourselves personally. He later goes on to say that we're the temple of the Holy Spirit, that we should take care of ourselves and the things that we do to ourselves are a reflection of who he is. And if we want fortitude, if we want to stand the test of time, we must take care of ourselves. But more than that, we must take care of God's people. Because taking care of the poor, the weak, the needy, the outcast, the hurting, the broken, and those that are less fortunate is front and center on God's heart. And so what he does is he gives you abilities and resources to give those away to other people. And it doesn't mean that we don't hold some back for ourselves. And it doesn't mean that God doesn't give to us to take care of our family and ourselves. We have to be strong and strengthened personally if we're gonna help other people. If you're swimming in the world of trouble and hurt and pain, it's gonna be hard to rescue others that are swimming in the same thing. But if you get on the rock and you get rooted and you get planted, you'll be able to become a spiritual lifeguard that either can swim out and rescue them or reach down and pull them up on the rock. And that's the understanding of the scripture is if you'll take what God gives you and scatter it abroad, the Lord will increase you. And increase is front and center on God's heart. Because every covenant promise to Adam and Eve, to Noah, to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, David, all the covenant promises of God always included descendants and territory. And it's more than shopping centers and ranches and city blocks and nightclubs. It's about advancing the kingdom of God in the hearts of men because the kingdom of God is advanced inside each of us. And even though we believe for a great tsunami tidal wave to come into our city, I'm telling you, he doesn't want to do it without you. And we can't sit on the sidelines and say, God, just bring revival to the city while I sit on the side and do nothing. God wants to partner together with us. His desire is to work with you. We're co-laborers together with the Lord. Which means we all have a responsibility, every single one of us. And it's more than nickels and noses. It's more than growing a nice big church that's comfortable. It's about raising up an army of lovesick worshipers that have their eyes on the prize. And the prize is the tree of life. And what's happened is a lot of us have deferred hope. There's something missing and we're dissatisfied. There's a lot of us here that are disenfranchised with church. We're disenfranchised with the organizational structure of it because what we see we don't like. And I have been a part of that as well. There's a lot of things in the church that I see around the world that I don't like. But God says, I'm gonna make you an answer and I'm gonna bring revival to all those that are crying out. And trust me, there's a remnant all over the world, millions and millions of people that are desperate and hungry and thirsty. And when we get it, they get it. When they get it, we get it. Because yeah. God's not into picking out isolated pockets anymore. He's into a body of Christ. And when God pours his spirit out, the body of Christ rises up and responds together in unity. 
God wants all of us to expand, but expansion first starts where? Where does expansion first start? Inside of you. First you expand internally, and then God wants to expand you externally. He wants us to increase. That's why God drops a $2.8 million shopping center in the hands of a 225-member church that only has $20,000 in the bank. And he says, watch what I do. It'll be a sign and wonder and a, and a, a radical example of my great love to my people in Corpus Christi. That's what he's doing. But it starts with each of us taking hold of the responsibility and doing our share and doing our part. I'm not into just getting a lot more money and growing a big church. What I am into is us getting the prize of the tree of life and seeing his light and his glory and his presence and his power come into your life so that your family, your kids, your coworkers, and your sphere of influence that's around you gets rocked and lit on fire by God. Woo! Yeah! My desire to play church is negative a thousand. I'm not kidding you. I have no desire to pretend or play. What God wants is authenticity. And from day one, one of our mission statements is, re is reflect Christ, equip the family, advance the kingdom, and love our community. And it spells R-E-A-L because God wants authenticity. God wants you to be who he's called you to be as a son and daughter and not pretend to be something else, but to love, serve, reflect, and advance in everything that we do. Amen. And that's an onus that we all have. We all have that onus. And if you wanna increase in every area of your life, what you can't do is be greedy and hold back more than is right because it leads to poverty. And poverty's not just how much money you have in the bank. Because I made $180,000 a year in the corporate world, and God says, I'm calling you out to $30,000 a year. And when I was making $180,000 a year, the pressure, the responsibility, the weight that was on my shoulders, hitting the ground running, the more you make, the more you get, the more responsibility is required of you. And God said, I'm gonna call you out of that. I said, Lord, something's got to change. This is, this is too much for me right now. And he said, yeah, something does have to change. And God would call me out. I don't know many people that have walked away from $150,000 a year for a $30,000 a year salary. And little did I know, years later, God would take me full circle, make me bivocational. Now I own some of the most successful shop, coffee shops in the state of Texas that's impacting this region. I'm in the marketplace and I'm in the church in full-time ministry everywhere that I go. And that's what God wants to do with you because it's not a matter of a microphone and a pulpit. You got a microphone and a pulpit everywhere you go. Your vocal cords, your camera lens, your job, everything that you do, God gives you the ability and the opportunity. And if you'll trust him and scatter out what he puts inside of you because he does it in you to do it through you. When you have an encounter with the Lord, the purpose is not only to strengthen and fortify you, but that you will give it out. In you, through you. Whatever you have, he gives you because he trusts you and believes in you that you can do more. And my ploy isn't to get you to give more money because I don't even look at your tithe records. But what you do is you give where you're being fed and in turn, God increases you more and makes you a resource to feed others. It's the understanding of the scripture. God wants us to increase. He wants us to expand. We can't stay comfortable where we're at right now. Comfortable is not a fruit of the spirit. You know what else isn't a fruit of the Spirit? Haphazard. Haphazard's not a fruit of the Spirit. Guessing, hoping, maybe, I'm not sure, but he might. 
God's raising up people that have confident faith and trust and can see the vision and know who he is and know what he's saying. And you better, you better know that the devil is gonna work on overtime, every time, all day, all night. He'll never stop to deceive you. Revelations 12.10 says that the enemy seeks to deceive the saints, which is us, night and day. So he tells you lies. He gets you to believe things that aren't true. And then he seeks to divide and, and conquer by us getting getting angry and having strife and gossiping and not believing and not trusting because our eyes get on man instead of on God. And then the enemy works to stop the move of God. But if we say, no, I'm gonna love well and what God has put in me, I'm gonna give out because he's faithful and I know he'll do what he said he would do. You watch what he does, expansion. Expansion in every area of your life. And so this church is on the move. We're growing. When we bought this shopping center, it was a $21,000, still is a $21,000 a month mortgage, easy. The businesses in the shopping center pay us rent and my own coffee shop, my own coffee shop pays $2,100 a month. I pay rent here to this church because it's the righteous thing to do. It's the righteous thing to do. And God says, I'm gonna expand. I'm gonna expand you in every area. I'm gonna expand you spiritually and I'm gonna pour out my spirit. I'm gonna pour out my love and I'm gonna pour out my power so that when people come here, they experience something that transforms them and they find a family because the father's looking for a family. Let's say that the father is looking for a family and so are God's people. People are looking for family. And so when they walk in, what do they find? When they, when they come into this place, what do they find? And we are on a mission to build a culture and a family that loves, gives, and sacrifices in all that we do. And when you give financially here, you're given to the 150 millennials that are on fire. I have, I have it's funny how the older generation, which I'm part of that, <laughs> says to me, I love how on fire the young adults are here. I love seeing them up front worshiping like that. They're just so lit up. And I love that too. They're having power encounters. They're experiencing the supernatural life that Christ provides. But God also loves the older generation that's been disenfranchised. I want those to come that have never experienced anything like this. We can raise up a generation that doesn't have to have any of the dysfunction that many of us have seen and been through. We can do it. But there's also those that are gonna come here that have hurt backgrounds, that have been just left empty saying there's gotta be more. And if you're here because you want more, you're in the right place, I'm with you and we're gonna do it together. Now I don't really fully know what I'm doing, you need to understand that. I feel like I'm walking on water all the time. I don't have like how to build an on fire move of God's spirit filled church manual, except the Bible. Okay, I've only really done, been in this for three, we, you know, this church is four years old, but I feel like we're only three years old because we moved in this place a little over three years ago. And in three years, look at what's happened. Many, some of you are visiting, but in three years, this church, you should have seen our last service. There was over 200 people here. This church is blowing up because of God's fire, presence, power, and it's a family, not because it's the David Bendet show. And we have to get past, oh, the preacher's so good and the Nathan Harden worship team show. And I hope the worship's good and I hope my preaching's good, but it may not always be. We come because we're a family and we have a vision. And no matter what happens to me, God continues to move mightily because we're in it for a purpose. When we went to buy this shopping center, the owner wanted to put it in my name. 
And think of the temptation. Oh man, I'd own a shopping center. All these people would pay me rent. The vision's bigger than me. It has to be about the kingdom of God because God forbid something happens to me. And I pray that it doesn't. I believe I got a lot of work to do for a long time, but the vision carries forward because you carry it. Because now, instead of coming to church, you become the church. Now, instead of coming to get something, you're coming to give something. That's the place that we're going. And some of you are in desperate need right now. And God's got a right on word for you today. Everybody here is gonna get a word from the Lord. But when you get those needs met and you get healed and you get healthy and you get strong, then suddenly you do a ninja flip and now the next person that walks in needing what you were once going through or facing what you were once going through, you reach out that hand and grab a hold of them and set the captives free. That's what God's doing. And so when you give, you give to seeing transformed lives. You give towards advancing. This church has 22,000 square feet where we've dedicated a huge portion to clothed in righteousness. Lisa, stand up. This is Lisa Gertis. Let's give her a hand clap. Now I wanna tell you, stay standing. Lisa's a mighty woman of God who loves Jesus and loves the outcasts. She's been with me for 10 years, 10 years. She's fully in charge of the benevolence and fully in charge of that outreach ministry. She set up the station church that now Dodie is running and leading for tonight, where we partner up with another church and go feed those that are less fortunate downtown. It's one of the best outreaches we do. You get to sit with people, prophesy, pray for people, and feed them too. It's awesome. And there's a lot more coming. God's already showed me we're gonna have a commercial kitchen here in the bluff. God's already shown me that we're gonna be feeding people, the masses of people, even ourselves. I mean, I wanna walk in on a Sunday morning to my own egg and bacon pancake buffet bar. That's what I'm saying. I wanna finish preaching and go sit down together with you and eat some fried chicken. Well, maybe not fried chicken. Okay, grilled chicken with broccoli. Broccoli buffet, every way you could cook broccoli. We'll just have to sprinkle some bacon on it. The vision's huge from a school that, in, that trains and equips and sends a missions base, a 24-hour night and day prayer, a prayer room. God is gonna expand our vision if we'll believe in it, and if we'll give to it, we can take a city. David had to kill the lion and the bear before he could get to Goliath, but after he got Goliath, he got to Hebron, and then seven years later, he got to the city of peace. And God has a process for every one of us. We all have our part, and we all do our share, but our affection must be on the house of the Lord. And we're gonna talk about that because there's such an attack on local church. There's such an attack because there's a lot of dysfunction. I understand that. And I wanna make sure that we do the best that we can to break that. So let's all make a decision together to give towards it, can we? You don't have to give money today. This isn't, don't feel any pressure to give money today. We're here twice a week or more and you can give online anytime. What I'm asking you to do is pray and understand that God wants to expand your territory. And I wanna see you expanded. I wouldn't be a very good pastor if I had a poverty-filled church, would I? Let's get us out of poverty. 
You know, this city has a major poverty issue. The average median house, household income is like 18,000 for a single family, and then a multifamily is like 32,000. That's like near poverty level. I'm just telling you right now. There's thousands of children that are near homeless or can't eat in the public school system today. We have to have our hearts set for the children. But first, we need mothers and fathers. Because when the lost sons and daughters come in, when the poverty-stricken families walk in, are they gonna find life and are they gonna find a hand up more than a handout? We'll give a handout, but they need a hand up. And that's what we're doing. And I don't do these offering messages very often, but I felt like the Lord told me to do it today. And whether you give today or not, whether you give tomorrow or next week, I'm on a mission full time and I'm gonna give it all I can with all the fire and the zeal and the passion that's inside of me because I didn't lay my life down to play church on Sunday mornings and I'm not out to just give you a nice, comfortable, feel-good message on a Sunday morning. I'm out to raise up an army, not consumer Christians. We're not consumer Christians. And you may need to consume for a time, but when you consume, then you should get nourished, nurtured, fortified, strengthened so that you can give out. That's what happens. So you pray about your finances. And you can't live in the world of maybe tomorrow when I get out of debt or when this happens or once I get this paid or once that or in a month or in a week or tomorrow because if we live in that, it'll always be tomorrow. And then it'll be six months and then it'll be a year and then it'll be two years and then five years down the line, we're just feeling guilty because I wanted to do something different five years ago. Break that off. Start now with something. Pray and ask the Lord what you're to give, when you're to give, how you're to give. Look at the resources that you have your hands, your life, your ability, and the financial means to be a part of something great. And I promise you, God will expand your territory. Amen? Amen. With that, let's receive our tithes and offerings this morning. Come on. <laughs> Ushers, come on up. There's envelopes in the seat pocket in front of you. You can make checks out to Rock City Church. You can go online to rockcitycorpus.com and give anytime, full-time, all right? Let's pray. Lord, I wanna thank you so much for this church. I wanna thank you, Father God, for pouring out your resources into us so that we can become a resource to the community around us and the nations of the world. Thank you, Father God, for the mission, missionaries that have just come back from Mexico without any strife, any division, and no major problems. And thank you, God, for the miracles that were outpoured through their lives in Mexico. And thank you for the Brazil team that's about to go. Thank you, Lord, that they'll have the money that they need and their lives are gonna be rocked and transformed and there won't be any, any sickness or issues or, or premature death or anything like that. Yeah, come on. I bless all of you mightily today with fervency and fire that you will burn bright, that people will wanna be around you because of what's inside of you and you will be a burning flaming torch to give to all those that are cold and isolated and lonely, you'll become a hot resource for them. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So as the buckets are being passed, let me just tell you guys a couple things. In August, we're having a conference here with Brad McClendon. Uh, uh, Michael Miller from the Upper Room will be here as well. And Stephen Alls. And they're all bring, Stephen Alls is Brad McClendon's right-hand guy. He's fiery, he's fervent, he's prophetic, and he's a great teacher, and I love this guy. All three of them will be teaching, but their wives and their children are coming as well. 10 people, we're bringing in 10 people. The Lord said, have them bring their wives and all their kids because we're focusing on family. And I'm telling you, it's gonna cost a lot of money because we're paying for it. And God said, you do it. I said, Lord, their wives and their children too? He said, yes. Because this is a focus and picture on kingdom, family, and life. 
and what it means to accurately reflect the Lord to all those that are around us. Two of the sessions are gonna be for women only and the wives are gonna be leading panel discussions and teaching led by my wife, okay? And the dates are the 16th, uh, Wednesday, the August 6th, well, but it starts Wednesday night, the 16th to the 20th. Thursday night and Saturday morning will be women, the women's panels and women's sessions. And it's gonna be absolutely supernatural. It's gonna be an incredible, incredible time. So mark your calendar for that, okay? So I'm pretty intense today because I have had an insane couple weeks. I've had a really, really incredible two weeks. And uh, <clears throat> the Lord led me to actually set up the mission trip to Mexico because I was sure that I was supposed to go to Mexico. I was so sure. I've done the, the trip to Puerto Escondido many times. I don't know, six, seven times. I love Mexico and God has put Mexico square in his crosshairs. I believe that revival, I mean, I'm talking, and I'm, I'm not just, that's not lip service. This is a very young nation that is, that is very disenfranchised with religion and God is gonna break out supernaturally in this country. You watch. And I believe we're gonna get to be a part of it. We're strategically positioned, we're strategically prepared, and we're sending teams there. And so we had 21 people go. They saw healings. Several first-time missionaries went, prayed for people to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, prayed for people to be healed. And they came back more on fire, more unified than they've ever been. And I wanna tell you one of the things that I love the most about that. Jesus said, if anybody desires to be great among you, let him be a slave to all. The word slave is the word that was used originally in the original Greek translation because it's the understanding that I'm a bond servant and I'm completely submitted to propel you with bottom-up leadership, not top-down leadership. And Marlene, our associate pastor, led this trip because what happened was I got a call about a month after we started planning the trip from Rick Pino in the Heart of David ministry out of Austin. And Rick Pino says, we travel all around the world and every time we come to Rock City, we what we experience there is not like anything we're experiencing in most churches, except some of the, they're experiencing some revival in other nations. But in America, every time they come here, they love what they experience. And so Rick says to me, he says, would you help me with this net global worship network in helping musicians and those that, that are drawn to our ministry to teach them what it means to be part of a family and to get plugged in and take what they have and give it to their community? I said, I'd be honored to. He says, would you come and speak? the Presence Conference in Austin at the Global Worship Summit, and then I wanna ask you to be on the stage at Austin City Limits on a panel discussion, and then when I got there, he asked me if I'd get up and receive the offering. I said, absolutely. So four times I spoke at the Presence Conference about a week and a half ago, and it was absolutely supernatural. And the things that God has taught, having you as a family behind us, for those of you who don't know who Rick Pino is, he's an incredible prophetic worship leader. I'd encourage you to get his music. This guy loves Jesus, and the, the whole ministry revolves around the key of David and having the heart of David in the way that we live our lives. That's King David from the Old Testament, right? And so I go to the Presence Conference, and it's just absolutely incredible. So I put the trip into Marlene's hands, and Marlene just absolutely killed it. Marlene, stand up. Let's give Marlene a hand clap. And all the missionaries that went to Mexico, 
What I love so much about Marlene is if you talk to any of the missionaries, her heart was to propel everybody else. So when somebody needed healing or somebody needed touch, she said, and they were coming to her, she said, no, you do it. So the missionaries were doing the work and she was just behind them, propelling them and lifting them up. And it was powerful. Thank you so much. You did a wonderful job. Let's give her another hand clap. And so I had an incredible time at the Presence Conference. I connected really well with Rick. I'm, I'm going to be a part of a small group of musicians and a couple other pastors working together with him to help him build this global network with the heart of David. And our church is going to be a part of that too. We're going to be a hub where we have worship conferences and where people can come and connect and learn. And at the same time, what God's doing here, we'll be connecting with his people all over the world. So watch out Philippines. Watch out Japan. Watch out China. I'm telling you, watch out Russia. Because I've already made connections with leaders in all of those countries at the last three global worship summits that I've been to. We will be setting people out all over the world. But first, we need to make sure we're healthy, we're strong, we're unified, and we're fortified. That's what has to happen first. And so we come back, and last Wednesday, for those of you that don't know, I have been battling some respiratory issues that won't go away. And sometimes you'll hear me cough when I'm preaching. In fact, it's been going on for way too long. And I have this cough, and I have this wheeze that just doesn't want to go away. And Part of it has been from chronic asthma since I was a child. Now I'm believing that I'm healed. I believe I'm gonna see the manifestation. I believe in all those things and I, I wanna ask you all to pray for me. Please pray for me because I'm contending for my health. And I want you to know that in, 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 in all the areas that you're the most gifted, the enemy will work the hardest to attack you in. For example, David was a man after God's own heart. He was so passionate. He was such a lover, right? So the enemy would come to trip him up in one of the ways that he knew he could, and that was through sexual infidelity. And that's why some of you that are the most lovers and love intimacy and love God the most, especially worshipers, will struggle the most with pornography and intimacy issues, because if you're not finding your fulfillment with the Lord, I'm telling you, you'll always be chasing after other lovers. And for me, one of my number one messages that I preach continuously here is on the breath of God. I talk about hearing God's voice all the time. I talk about being a prophetic generation where we're his mouthpiece. And I do that because no one's ever come to me and said, man, I'm hearing God's voice all the time and I'm so depressed. (laughs) Nobody comes to me and says, man, I've been getting downloads of revelation and I'm so confused. I don't know what to do. If I could get you hearing God's voice, suddenly you'll become God's voice because you can't hear and not become. So I teach you about intimacy in the secret place, making it of value and an importance to your life. You can't just keep getting the word from the TV preacher or from me or a podcast or a book. At some point, you stop getting other people's revelation and get your own. Because when you start hearing God's voice and his breath, I often talk about how we don't break God's laws, they break us. Because God's word upholds and sustains everything. So when we choose to live in sin, when we choose to live our own way and reject his, his purposes and his plans and his biblical principles, eventually you will be broken. Now, I don't know when, where, or how, but I know it'll happen. Read Psalm 73. King David was ready to throw the towel and he said, look at the wealthy, look at the rich, look at those yachts. 
Look at the lifestyle of the rich and famous. They don't seem to have any problems or be plagued all the time. And when he tried to understand it, he said, I became plagued. And then if he was going to talk about it, he said, I would have been unfaithful to a whole generation. And I didn't understand and I almost gave up until, everybody say until. He got a revelation. He entered into the courts of the living God and he understand that those that don't know and honor and serve the Lord, their feet are on slip and slides. Now, it didn't say slip and slides in the Bible, but that's the way I read it. You can't, stay, you can't walk on a good, wet slip and slide for too long. And at some point, some way, God's laws break you. And I use the example of the law of gravity. Jump out of a two-story, five-story, 10-story building. What will break you? The law of gravity. You didn't break it, it broke you. And so God's word sustains everything. And so I teach a lot on being a prophetic generation, prophesying, bringing life, encouragement, edification, comfort to other people's lives. But first you have to hear, first you have to become. And of course, the enemy's gonna attack me on that one area of my breath. He's working hard to stop my breath and my voice. He doesn't like what's happening here. And I'm not all devil happy and freaked out about it, but I do understand that the enemy does wanna stop you. He's on full-time overtime, everybody. Read Revelations 12.10. And his greatest ploy is to get you to believe he doesn't exist. And that's why I often say to you, I'm like a broken record. God wants an army, not an audience, which means that you have to become something, which means that you have to get into position and do your part. I know that the church has a lot of issues. I know there's gossip and strife. People bring all kinds of stuff into the church. People I don't even, I don't even know probably about 60, 70 of you that are here today. My capacity to know everybody is only so deep. <coughs> But I raise up other leaders and other people, sons and daughters, mothers and fathers, and a family and a culture where it doesn't all revolve around me, but rather I propel. Jesus would take 12 people in three years and change the whole world. Three years? I mean, that's not near enough time to train people to change the whole world. They need to be on the 10-year plan. Some of you are still on the 10, 15, 20-year plan and waiting for the next thing. It's not a matter of being perfect. God can use this man, Cass, right now, who only gave his life to the Lord earlier or late last year, December. He's got so many front row, never been to a church like this, hungry, thirsty, and desperate, a man of full influence, discovering who he is, still in a, questioning a lot of things, but the purposes and plans inside of you, Cass, are supernatural, and if you'll stay the course, you watch out, man. God's got some incredible things for you. And so I come back from, from the presence conference and last Wednesday I go in for a bron bronchoscopy where, I, where finally I got to a pulmonary doctor and they're gonna look into my lungs with a camera. Let me just tell you, I don't know how many of you know, but sticking a camera in your lungs is not normal. It's a little bit invasive, maybe a lot. And so I come out of the bronchoscopy out of sedation after fasting for 11 hours they load me up with, with all kinds of drugs. I come out loopy as can be. I have a little bit of tightness in my, in my chest on the right, but everything seems pretty normal. And as we're, we're driving home, I slowly start to get into more pain on my right side of my chest. And then by the time we get to Cal Allen, I start spiking a fever and I start puking my guts out. And I can't breathe. I can only take in like 5% of a breath. Like, <gasps> that's how it was for me. 
and we picked up our kids and Amber's driving my, my big mega cab 2500 truck with the kids in the back because I'm sick as can be shaking with the fever. She has to pull over on the side of the road, SPID and Violet while I puke my guts out. And I'm so sick, she has to drive me with the kids in the back straight to the emergency room. And I get out and I stumble into the ER and it's packed. You know our ERs here in Corpus. Sadly, it's, it's like six o'clock in the evening, just packed. I can't even keep my eyes open. I'm like about to, to pass out. I can't breathe, I'm sick. They finally check me in and while the girl's checking me in, I'm puking, they call in a code sepsis and rush me in past everybody because last December I had a pneumonia first time ever. And I'm too young for this stuff at 46 years old. But the enemy is on attack, I'm telling you. And I also know that I need to do a really good job taking care of myself. I gotta eat, I only got one body and so do you. You've got to take care of yourself, especially if you're young. Because now at 46, I'm looking back 20 years ago, 25 years ago when I was smoking doobies and partying nonstop because I didn't think twice about what would happen in my 40s. Now I'm eating broccoli. (laughs) I mean, I'm an asparagus freak, let me just tell you. How many ways can you make Brussels sprouts? I like them crispy and grilled, by the way. Anyway. <laughs> and so, so I'm puking my guts out while they're checking me in. They rush me in. They hook me up with IVs. My, I'm wearing a long sleeve shirt because I got, got bruises all over my arm. They, and this is the second time of IVs in one day. And then they start pumping me up. They think I've got pneumonia again. They start giving me all these antibiotics. I get bloated. I can't even breathe and my stomach's hurting so bad. I'm in more pain in my stomach than I am in my lung. And I'm sweating profusely with the fever. I mean, I just thought I was gonna die. And I'm crying out to Jesus. Now I threw up some more and I felt a lot better. And eventually I got better. The fever broke and they sent me home. And I wanna say thank you to all of you that prayed for me on Wednesday night. I'm telling the story because Jeremy preached. By the way, you're doing a great job, bro. I wanna high five you, man. Really, thank you. Jeremy preached last Sunday. I heard you did a phenomenal job. Thank you so much. And took the lead on Wednesday night and had some of the young adults testify from the Presence Conference and had everybody stand and pray for me. I'm telling you the story so you know what I'm facing. But I wanna tell you that In the last two weeks, I've had more prophetic signs from the Lord. I'm talking overload from heaven, overload. Everywhere I turn left and right, God's giving me a sign. If you saw the pictures on my phone of times, numbers, from gas pumps to medications to everywhere I go, God is like overloading me with prophetic words. And the morning that I went into the hospital last Wednesday, I had a dream. And in this dream, I won't tell you the whole dream, but I'll tell you part of it. In this dream, I'm walking in in an area of town that's very affluent here, and there were all these people from an older generation, I'd say probably 40 and up, my generation and up, and and we were walking, and one of the guys stops me, and he looks me right in the eyes, and he says, what are you gonna do to make sure that Rock City doesn't get sideways? How can we be assured this is gonna stand the test of time? What are you gonna do when people get crazy? And we're not so 100% sure it's gonna make it. And I knew in my mind that all these people had joined together with Rock City because they were hungry for more. But there was a subtle fear. 
And here's the fear. Some of you have been burned and hurt or went all in with other churches and other ministries and it really left you disoriented. But you're attracted to what's happening here because you want more, but we're a non-denominational church. Some of you feel like we're just a total suddenly that just popped on the scene, which in a way we're a suddenly, but trust me, there was a lot of preparation before the promotion come, came just like Joseph. Joseph seemed like a suddenly when he was standing before Pharaoh, but he had paid a lot of trials for a long time before he got there. But the fear and the concern is, is this really going to last? And what if Pastor David gets sideways? Or what if this happens? And what am I going to do if people come in and they get goofy and they get weird? Let me tell you something. People are going to get goofy and get weird. People, just hear me out on this. The presence of the Lord draws everyone. And where there's fire and outpouring in the presence of God and a hunger and thirst for his power, there are few churches like ours around today. And I'm not saying we're the only one. There are others, okay? And God has expressions all throughout the body that are unique. But a church that is hungry and aggressive and violent and preaches fire like we do and is going after the Holy Spirit, warfaring against demonic forces that want to hold back what God's doing in a city, Whenever that happens, you better believe there's gonna be great opposition, great opposition. And I'm gonna show you that in just a second with the Ephesians church, because I feel like in a lot of, way, Rock, in a lot of ways, Rock City Church parallels the church of Ephesus. Ephesians is one of my favorite books in the Bible. There are so much meat and wisdom and understanding about God's end time strategy for the church and how to deal with it in that one book. But to really understand the book of Ephesians, you have to understand how Paul started the, Ephesus, the church of Ephesus and what was going on in, in the church of Ephesus at the time. And so this guy asked me in the dream, what am I gonna do? And I looked at him and I said, we're gonna build a fortified culture and the responsibility is upon you. And as we walked and we talked, I had a piece of cardboard paper in my hand and we were walking, there was all these kinds of, all these people walking, all these people that had come from denominational backgrounds, older, because God loves them too. And as much as I love the youth and the family and the kids and our eyes have to be on them to build a healthy culture, because if we're gonna really do something great, our kids and our children are gonna be the ones that are gonna do it right. together as they come up. Right. But we can't leave out those that are empty and hurting and don't like the church anymore, that barely come into this church because they've heard about Rock City and something cool's happening here. And that's some of you that are here today. And I looked at him and I said, the onus and the responsibility is gonna be upon you and you and you. And I said, you've got to become healthy so we can become a fortified culture so that when people come into the church that wanna divide, wanna cause strife and division, gossip, be crazy, be goofy, they'll come, but the culture overrides it. Not rules, a rule list on the wall and a bunch of watchmen that are around saying, now don't get too out of hand. Don't raise your hand too much. Don't dance a little too, don't get it too little loud. Don't go pray for that person, all these things. Instead, the culture of the people does it because you learn what it means to be part of a family. Wait on Pastor David or Gene or Ellis or the usher to come do it. You say, well, hey, this is a family here, and you know what? That's not healthy, and if you're gonna continue to be like that, you're not gonna be able to stay here. And God was showing me that as we became a unified culture or a fortified culture, he would rip the people out of our midst. 
Now, I understand God loves everybody, but when somebody comes to be divisive and destructive and hurt God's people, God says, I will handle it, and that's called lordship. And you have to understand, again, we're infants in this. I feel like we're in, in our infant stages, and Rick Pino's asking us to be a part of a worldwide global network of what he's doing and bring what we have there. And God says, yeah, you are infants. You're my baby in a manger, and there's a lot of animals around. But that's all right, because we have church lordship. And church lordship is allowing the Lord to do what the Lord does best. And as I'm ripping the cardboard paper out, I get more fervent, and out of me comes a roar, and I mean a shout from deep inside of me all the way to the throne of heaven. And I went, oh! And I could see my shout going straight to the throne room of heaven, and I fell back on this bed in this cot, and I started weeping, and all of the people around me were weeping with revival. Because God is looking for people that are desperate and hungry and thirsty. Seven hours later, I'd be laid out in a hospital. September 24th, 1999, our church is having a prayer, is having night and day prayer, open Bible fellowship. And we signed up for slots and I took the 3 a.m. slot. And I went out on the streets and I was in front of my house in a, in a real trendy area of town, it was called Brookside, where I lived at the time. And I started warfaring against principalities and spiritual wickedness in high places crying out against demonic forces. That night I had a dream. And in the dream, I was fishing in the sky and I was catching these giant black birds with hooked wings. And I caught one right over Oral Roberts University. And, I, and it started running my line. And I started jumping over intercessors from the church. People I knew that were intercessors, some that you would know. And I was jumping, they were fishing too. But I caught one and I'm jumping over them. And my line came down and two school buses came by, cut the line. And then I looked to my right and soaring over the clouds was Satan himself and he landed and he looked right at me and he was coming right at me. That night I'd go to dinner on my 29th birthday, September 25th, 1999, and I would eat some bad seafood. My body would go into anaphylactic shock I would black out with my mom visiting from Miami. I'd soiled my pants. I went cold out. I was without oxygen in my brain for 15 minutes. My mom didn't even know how to call the, or where my address was because she was visiting. And she had a cell phone from, with a 305 area code so they couldn't track the 911 number. Finally, she finds a piece of mail and they come. I wake up 14 hours later with a ventilator in my throat and all the capillaries broken in my eye, busted in my eyes, eyes bloodshot red. And the Lord showed me how important intercession and prayer and a fortified culture is then. And if we're gonna really do what God's called us to do, we must get unified and stop playing church and become a family and get fortified. Now, let me tell you about being fortified. The word fortify has a couple of meanings. One of the meanings of fortify is to build a defense force to protect against an onslaught of an enemy. But understand that the kingdom of God is always offensive, not defensive. Now, God gives us strategies to protect ourselves, right? A lot of things, personally. Like if I, keep eat, if I don't eat well over a long haul, I will be sick. If I don't exercise over the long haul, I'll be sick. I got one body, I need to make it last. I need another 40, 50 years. I got a three-year-old and a four-year-old and my wife, 
My wife's concerned I'm not, that she's gonna outrun me. I'm like, no, she's not, I'm gonna outrun you. She's younger than me by a few years. So of course we have to, you know, the Bible says that the Lord, David said many times, God is my fortress, my rock, my shield, my buckler. And the, the name of the Lord is a strong tower that the righteous run to. And that the enemy roams around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But if we submit to God and resist the devil, he'll flee from us. But building a fortress is important, not to keep people out, but that people can be safe when they come in. You understand that? And so the Lord said, we're gonna build a fortified culture because another thing that fortify means, it means to bring nutritional value, to add nutritional value to something, to fortify you so that you are strengthened to provide something for when people come in. And God showed me that the only way this is gonna sustain the long-term is not if it revolves around me. And that's why Jesus said that the rulers of this world lord it over the people, but not so with you. He says, you have to be a bottom-up servant where you are serving, because even Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but rather to serve. Jesus wants us to lay down our lives and to serve one another. Now, let me tell you a little bit about the church of Ephesus. I've preached this before, and I love Acts chapter 19 and 20. And in Acts chapter 19, you get the church of Ephesus. Now, on Paul's second, I'm going to give you some great background. This will be fun. Paul, on his second missionary journey, stopped through Ephesus. He was about 48 years old. Okay? He was born in like AD 5, and so this was like A.D. 53 or 52, somewhere right around there. Paul goes to Ephesus and he kind of scouts the land out. And he goes and he hangs out with some Jewish believers and they love him and they want him to stay, but he had to go to Jerusalem. This is Acts 18, the end of Acts 18. But he says, I'm gonna come back. And he comes back a year later. Now in Ephesus, Ephesus was full of spiritual witchcraft and new age, full of it. The temple of Diana was there and or the temple of Artemis. You had all these silversmiths and craftsmen selling trinkets and toys and one of the seven wonders of the world. So all these people were coming to Ephesus to go to this temple and they were buying all these souvenirs and Paul you know, has a good encounter there. So he comes back and the first thing that Paul does is he finds some disciples of John that are pretty fervent and on fire and he discovers that they're not baptized in the Holy Ghost. So the whole church of Ephesus, read Acts chapter 19, the whole church of Ephesus starts with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. An outpouring of God. This is my thing. Let's get people supernaturally filled with the Spirit of God so they can have the power. So in this city are magicians. And I mean, you later read where they all get born again and they burn all their books and 50,000 shekels of silver, which is 20 years of work for 10 people. These books were very, very valuable. And so Paul comes in, they get baptized in the Holy Spirit. He starts going into the temple, preaching and reasoning with the Jews. People are believing, but then suddenly he gets some, some backlash. And so he checks out of the, of the temple and he goes to the school of Tyrannus or the school of tyranny. And he preaches there for two years. So now Paul's like, I don't know, 50, 51, right around there. Two years. He preaches there. 
And then suddenly, after a couple years, God works. I'm paraphrasing Ephesians 19. I've read it many times. This is a fun story. The Bible says God starts working unusual miracles through Paul so that handkerchiefs and apron from his body, which is a powerful prophetic word because he was a, a leather worker or a tent maker, probably had sweat on from his body, his own handkerchiefs, from who he was and he worked, from his own body, he became a resource. Unusual miracles were brought to the sick and the lame and the hurting and the dying, and they were miraculously healed. And then there were all these Jewish exorcists there and the sons of Sceva, which was a Jewish mind reader. I mean, it's crazy stuff. This whole church is birthed in the supernatural, okay? This is all from Ephesians 19. They start getting healed, delivered, and suddenly there's revival. The, they, all the magis, magicians come, burn all their books. People start giving their lives to Christ. The fear of the Lord comes. And then you get a guy named Demetrius, who was a silversmith, who's making these little Diana trinkets, these little God trinkets. And he causes an uprising and says, Paul is preaching against Diana. And if, if this works and all these people keep getting born again, we're not gonna make any money anymore. And the one that we worship and all of Asia worships will suddenly become insignificant. He causes a riot, and all these people in Ephesus go and fill a theater that fills 25,000 people, and they start a riot in Ephesians 19. And, the, and they gather up some of the disciples, but they wouldn't let Paul come in because they didn't want Paul to get stoned or killed, and they didn't want Paul to be associated with some of the Jewish people that were there. It's all kinds of chaos, Okay. I just wanted to tell you that so you understand that that church was birthed in some incredible, incredible fiery trials. And in Paul's third year in Ephesus, while he's in Ephesus, he writes 1st and 2nd Corinthians. He writes 1st Corinthians in like 54 AD in the spring, and then in the fall, he writes 2nd Corinthians. And I wanna read to you a scripture that he said in Corinthians that's very, very profound, that some of you may have never seen. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, eight through nine. Listen to what Paul says. At the end of Corinthians, he says, I'm gonna tarry in Ephesus until Pentecost. He's like, I'm staying in this. He's writing to the Corinthian church in his third year. And he says, I'm staying here until the fire and the outpouring comes because this city needs more than what it's got. And then he says in verse nine, an incredible, incredible word of truth. A great and effective door is open to me and there are many adversaries. So he's saying, man, I've got the most incredible effective door that is being opened for me. I'm staying in Ephesus a little longer, but even in the midst of this great and effective door, what are there? Many adversaries. And that's why we've got to become fortified. After Paul leaves Ephesus, he goes to another village on his third missionary journey, and he calls for the elders of the Ephesian church. And he says this in Acts chapter 20, verse 28 and 31. He says, take heed of yourself and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after themselves. Therefore, watch and remember that for three years, I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. 
Do you know in 1 Corinthians chapter four, Paul makes an incredible statement from Ephesus? He says, though you may have 10,000 instructors in Christ, you don't have many fathers. Therefore, I warned you day and night. Warning isn't just to protect you. Warning is to direct you. And that's what a father does. A father does more than just tries to protect and preserve. A father tries to direct you into the purposes of God. And what, what Paul's saying is for three years while I was in Ephesus, great revival, great outpouring. He wanted to stay there in the midst of adversity, but he warned that what would happen. Savage wolves would try to come in from the out. This is Bible, guys. I'm not making this up. And I know this is an intense word for Sunday morning, but I only get so many Sunday mornings. I only get so much of your time in a week. A lot of you don't come on Wednesdays, and I don't preach that much more on Wednesdays anymore. And sometimes we'll come here on a Sunday morning, and I'm going to be casting vision because I'm being a father to build a family, not just preach a good little message that makes you feel good. I'm out to build an army. And certainly somebody's going to come in and say, oh, the pastor all talked about himself, and I didn't hear much about the gospel, and I didn't hear much about Jesus. Let me make sure you understand. Jesus is the Lord of my life and this church, and the cross is front and center, and the power of God pouring out through Christ, and understanding the gospel is what this church is about. Identities as sons and daughters, knowing who we are, knowing who he is. People are going to write stuff on the internet about us. You're going to come here and the enemy's going to raise up somebody says, you go to that cult church, that tongue-talking, demon-busting church? You go, yeah, I do. Shikarabasare. Yeah. Come out in Jesus' name. You got a devil? Let me pray for you right now. Shaka. Like I said, guys, I'm not here to play church. I got here nearly 11 years ago, and when God called me to Corpus Christi, you can't believe the ride that I've been through, and I'm still here, and I'm still standing, and having done all to stand, resist the devil, and I feel like I'm still standing. I've been knocked down too many times. We lost a baby. We've, our son's been in the hospital due to issues. The enemy's worked on overtime to try to kill, seek, steal, steal, and destroy, but you look around you right now. It is July 4th weekend, and this church is pretty much full, and I'm telling you, God is on the move. We gotta, get, we gotta become a fortified culture. When you step into your position, and we stop getting, so I don't even like the way this church is set up. I'm not kidding. I don't like that you're all looking at me like this. <laughs> Seriously, when we get the new church, I'm putting a stage front and center and we're gonna sit in a circle. That's what I envision one day and you all are gonna look at each other. <laughs> I mean, I wish you could see your own faces. Seriously, if you all could see what each other looks like, man, we'd have a party. All right, I'm almost done. I really mean it. I'm almost done, okay? <laughs> Each of us have to become healthy and unified if we're going to advance and sustain the outpouring and revival that's coming our way. It means we have to lay down the fears, the divisions, the inhibitions, and understand that people will do silly things. Some will rise up inside. Some will come from the outside. But when God has a family and a culture and we're fortified, those things can't prevail, and the Lord will deal with them himself. Because if I'm chasing down every sideways thing or weird thing or gossip thing or Facebook thing, people are getting upset about Facebook. I'm gonna leave that church because some two people did this or said that or this or that. And people get weird and goofy. Oh, Pastor David this and Pastor... The enemy's always trying to lie to divide. But if you get a hold of the vision and you're hearing God's voice for yourself and following the Holy Spirit, you'll see the bigger picture and not get goofy. 
Acts 9.31. Paul gets born again. The, the Jerusalem church is freaked out. This guy's been killing people. And suddenly, a year later, he starts preaching, and something supernatural happens. It says the churches throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified. Who wants peace and to be edified? Yeah. I do. He says, and then they walked in the fear of the Lord. Here are the key. Here's the key. Walk in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, and God will bring multiplication. This isn't a me show. This is us as a family and everybody doing their part and getting healthy and strong. Walk in the fear of the Lord. Learn what the fear of the Lord is. Get edified, get peace, and get comforted by the Holy Spirit. And comforted by the Holy Spirit is key. Because if, you if you're not getting comfort, I'm telling you, you'll spin out in your mind. Every day there's a battle for your mind. Every day, I'm telling you. And the more on fire you decide that you want to get, the more the enemy will attack your mind to get you to believe lies, to get you divided, all kinds of stuff. That's why you gotta renew your mind daily. That's why you need daily bread daily. That's why every minute of every day we gotta be spirit-led in all we do. True sons are led by the Holy Spirit, Romans 8, 14. And so the way that we keep from getting spun out is to be walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And then what? Those churches were multiplied. We gotta become a fortified culture. We've gotta be. If we prefer one another, if we accurately love one another and lay our lives down for each other, we're gonna experience the kingdom of God in a profound way. Unity, let's say this together, unity, unity. Honor. honor, and I'm gonna say so, it's gonna be a little weird for you, but I'm gonna break it down for you. Say, and becoming a drink offering for other people. And I'm gonna show you the scripture, it's Proverbs 11:25. When you water, now there's two different words here, I'm not gonna go too deep for you, but when you water, the word for water is, there's two different words. To water and to be watered are two different concepts. The first word for water, you can study this out in your blue letter Bible. The first word for water means I saturate you and soak you and pour myself out into you. That's the first word. But the second word means that suddenly you get poured into and become an arrow in the hand of an archer that gets shot out. The meaning for the word watered, if you look it up, it means to be shot out like an arrow. And so when you make it your priority to pour into water into others, God says, oh, you're getting in my bow and I'm gonna pull you back and I'm gonna shoot you out like a rocket ship into your destiny. So when you make it your priority to water others, the reward that you get is the fulfillment. Not only do you get supernaturally fulfilled and honored, but now you become an arrow in the hand of an archer that gets shot out into purpose and destiny because now he can trust you with the more that he wants to pour into your life, amen? amen? So culture is key and the Lord is our fortress. We must become a culture of peace, edification, walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. We also have to take heed to ourselves and the flock. We know that things are gonna happen, weird stuff can come on. I understand that the bigger we get, the more we grow, the only way we're gonna sustain it is not by becoming more institutionalized. We don't need more job descriptions. We don't have to keep always raising up paid staff that we don't know. What we need is, is we need solid mothers and fathers, mamas and papas and sons and daughters and a culture that loves really, really well and understands the culture of this church. I'll set the bar for the culture, but you all be spirit-filled and spirit-led and read your Bibles every day so that we're not just coming to get, but we're coming to give. Yeah. 
Okay, if we can get this down, God is gonna bring a lot of people because the Lord of the harvest is looking for a place to bring the people that need what we have. The Lord of the harvest is bringing in the harvest. It's the laborers and the workers that are few. So you say, I'll be a laborer, I'll be a worker, and I'll become a fortified culture, amen? Let's all stand. You have been listening to a message from David Bendett, senior pastor of Rock City Church in beautiful Corpus Christi, Texas. David's prayer is for a deeper understanding of God's love and purpose for your life, and that all of us would grow into a greater awareness of our identity in Christ. Thank you for listening. Until next time, and stay fired up.